Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What does it mean to be blessed? What's it mean to be blessed? I've been asking myself this question lately as I've noticed that word, blessed, popping up more and more. You hear folks talking about being blessed on on the internet, on social media. You see pictures of beautiful people leading beautiful lives, and then it says, hashtag blessed. My roommate in college used to say this to me. I'd ask him, how are you doing, Israel? He'd always say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Hmm. What does it mean to be blessed? It's a good question for, for us to ask on All Saints Day. Now, a saint, strictly speaking, is a, a holy one or a blessed one. In Roman Catholic teaching, they talk about beatification. Beatification is the process of somebody formerly being declared a saint. And you might hear in that word, beatification, the word beatitude. Jesus really forces the issue, presses this question in today's gospel as we hear these beatitudes of our Lord. As eight times over, like a blessed drum, blessed, 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 Jesus says, over and over again. But what does it mean? What does it mean to be blessed? And more to the point, how do you and I know if we are among the blessed? There's different ways to answer this question. And together this morning, I want us to think through and meditate upon it. Think of the different answers that can be and are given to this question of what does it mean to be blessed? So that you and I, with a, a fuller understanding and confidence of what that blessedness means, can find our own blessing in Jesus. So what does it mean to be blessed? Well, one answer that's commonly given in our world today is that to be blessed is to be materially prosperous. And I think this is the answer that's given behind a lot of those Instagram posts and so forth, the, the hashtag blessed, that to be blessed means that you are doing really well in the world. Even among Christians, there's a branch of Christianity known as the prosperity gospel. And in the prosperity gospel, part of the teaching is that you can see God's blessing in your life if you are doing really well, if you have wealth, if you have possessions, if you have these different things. Those are signs of God's favor. Those are signs that you are blessed. Now, I highly doubt that many folks, if any, in this room this morning actually believe that that's what it means to be blessed, but let's stay with it for just a moment and recognize that, you know what, there is some biblical backing for this. Go to the Old Testament in particular. You think of somebody like King Solomon, and Solomon had made this prayer to the Lord. He asked God for wisdom, and God gave to Solomon wisdom, but he said, I'm not going to stop there, Solomon. I'm also going to bless you with riches innumerable, more than anyone else in your age. Solomon was blessed, and with that blessing, he was also pretty well off. He was plenty rich. He was doing fine. Materially, he was prosperous. Or you think about Job. And Job was a guy who throughout his life, the way we think about him, he didn't look like a very blessed guy. And yet, at the end of the story, if you make it all the way through the book of Job, at the very end, God restores Job, restores him, and blesses him once again. And with that blessing, he gets 14,000 sheep, thousands of cattle. And you might think, that sounds like work, not a blessing. <laughs> but in that time and place, it was very much a sign of prosperity, a sign of God's favor Indeed, it looked like Job was blessed. And so you could look at it from that perspective and say, no, look, we, we look at Job, we look at Solomon, we look at others in the scriptures, and along with their blessedness from God, there was also prosperity. 
So there's a case to be made for that. But when we look at our Lord Jesus and we listen to this teaching, I think that we need to call us into question. I was reflecting on this as the family and I were watching a classic episode of The Twilight Zone this week. You guys remember The Twilight Zone? And there's this one episode of The Twilight Zone where there's this robber, this guy, Rocky Valentine, classic name for the robber, right? Well, Rocky Valentine, finally his number gets called and he gets taken out by the police. And the next thing we know, he's in the afterlife. And Rocky is greeted by something like his guardian angel, a guy named Pip. And Pip informs Rocky that now in the afterlife, whatever he wants, he can have. And Rocky's like, oh, this is awesome. And so he starts running through all the things that he wanted, he's wanted before. Now he has this palatial home. He's got all the cars that he wants, all the riches that he wants. I want a million bucks. He says, open up that drawer, and there's a million bucks right there. And he's a gambler, of course. Rocky's a gambler. And he goes down gambling. And now every time he rolls the roulette wheel, boom, 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 he's winning each and every time. He will never be broke again. This goes on for a little while, though. And Rocky starts to get kind of bored. And he calls up Pip, he rings his guardian angel guy, and he says to him, you know what, Pip, this is getting kind of boring, this is getting kind of old. I'm starting to wonder if maybe I'm really cut out for heaven. I wonder if maybe I shouldn't be in the other place. And Pip says to him, whoever said you were in heaven? We have the sense that to be prosperous, to get everything that I want, is what it really means to be blessed. Many times. That's not the case at all. Jesus says, blessed are the poor and the poor in spirit. If you're looking for those who are blessed, they're just as likely to be found, if not more so, among the paupers than among the princes. So to this question of what does it mean to be blessed? No, it's not a matter of material prosperity. So then what? Well, a second answer that has a lot more resonance is that it's not about material prosperity, but instead a kind of immaterial prosperity, if you will. A spiritual strength. Yes, that's what it means to be blessed. It's to be spiritually strong. And as we look at the Beatitudes, the way that they're commonly understood, you'd seem to get that impression, right? Who are those who are blessed? Well, it's those who are are the the spiritual superstars. They are the the meek ones. They're they're the merciful ones. They're the pure in heart ones. They're the best of the best when it comes to the, the company of us. The best of the best, they are the blessed. The Mother Teresas and the Billy Grahams of the world. They're the ones who really show us what it means to be blessed. They are spiritually strong. And Once again, I think that there's really a case to be made for this, much more so than the material prosperity. Because for any of us, our Christian lives, our lives of faith, are lives in which we are seeking to grow in our sanctification, to use that $5 word. In other words, to become more and more like our Lord Jesus, for our virtue to be increasing, our vices to be decreasing. That's the journey of faith. That's the work that our Lord is doing in each and every one of our hearts. We're becoming more and more like him. But there's a problem here too. Because when you look even more closely at these beatitudes, they are not aspirational. They're affirmational. What do I mean by that? The beatitudes aren't saying this is what you and I need to do in order to be blessed. That this is what you do if you are going to be blessed, you need to be meek, you need to be merciful, you need to be these things. Rather, it's an affirmation from our Lord Jesus, that you are blessed in him. And notice this, not because of your strengths, 
but because of your weakness. Not because of your capacity, but precisely because of your lack. Jesus says those who are blessed are those who are meek. What does it mean to be meek? It means that you have no power, that you are not in control. That's what blessing looks like. What does it mean to be blessed? It means that you're pure in heart. Even there, this is not something for you and I to achieve. To be pure in heart is fundamentally simply to lack, to lack idolatry. It's a low bar, guys. It's a low bar. It's to to lack the, the food and drink that we desire, to hunger and to thirst for righteousness, Jesus says. And even to be merciful, while we certainly and rightly look at that as a, a virtue, there's also a sense in which it's simply an absence of wrath. See, the Beatitudes are not aspirational, they're affirmational. And Christ comes to you and me not because of our spiritual strength, but precisely because of our spiritual weakness. Not giving to you and me because of how great we are and how wealthy we are in the ways of the world, but because of our lack. He looks at you and me, ragamuffins that we are, and says, this is what it looks like to be blessed. It's that affirmation of our Savior, see. You think of what St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He's, he's talking to those who have been called. He says, remember your calling, brothers. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were wise. Not, not many of you were of noble birth. But that's who God chooses. He chooses the foolish. He chooses the weak. He chooses the nobodies. Or again, Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay, in earthen vessels, in cracked pots. And so, no, blessedness does not mean spiritual strength. But you know what that last verse about the cracked pots, that points to what it does mean. I want you to imagine something, to picture in your mind's eye. Picture a beautiful vase, a beautiful vase, a family heirloom. And it's glistening and it's practically glowing. It's glorious. It's the sort of thing that you set on the table and you warn everybody, stay away. We must protect the vase. But imagine a little boy. We'll call him Kiko. And Kiko is a sweet little boy, but he's also known for being a little bit clumsy. And Kiko makes his way into the room with the family heirloom one day and accidentally, completely innocently, knocks it off the table and it breaks into a half dozen pieces. Kiko is utterly broken, broken just like that vase on the floor. But then Kiko's grandma comes in, and he's expecting her to be furious, to be angry. After all, she's handed down this heirloom from generation to generation, but he's amazed, he's surprised pleasantly so that when his grandma looks at him, when she sees him, she forgives him. She sees the shards on the floor, and she says, Kiko, Kiko, don't worry, I forgive you. Something even more beautiful may come of this yet. She gathers up the the shards of the broken vase and she takes it away. Sometime later, one day, Grandma grabs Kiko and says, Kiko, take a look at this. It's the vase, that family heirloom, the one he had broken, but now it's covered with cracks. But those cracks have been carefully mended. They've been lacquered over. And even more than that, at each and every one of those cracks, it's been filigreed with gold. So that now when you look at that vase, yeah, you see all those cracks like the, across your windshield when you get a rock hit on it, but, but it's even more beautiful than it was before. It's even more glistening and glowing as it shines with that gold, and it's even more valuable than it was before. What I've just asked you to remember, to think of, is actually this Japanese art form known as kitsugi. 
and if any of you know Japanese, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it, but kitsugi. And according to this ancient art of kitsugi, it takes broken pottery and mends it, filigrees it with gold at those broken places, and it's regarded as even more valuable and even more beautiful. Now I tell you this story and conjure up that image because this, this is what it means to be blessed, friends. To be blessed is to be beautiful at the broken places. It's a beautiful brokenness. And why is that? How could that be? It's because Jesus is present in the broken places. Because Jesus is present in the broken places. You are blessed. That's where he meets you and me. And I think this head irony is that so often in our lives, it's those broken places that we seek to hide and to cover over. When from God's perspective, it's what he most wants to put on display. How he is working in you and through you. How he is mending cracked souls and making them whole. You are blessed in him because though you are broken, you have been mended by his grace, put back together, and now that gold of his glory shines through each and every one of those spaces. And if you had any question about that or wondering about it, each and every week we gather together and you receive the broken body and blood of your Savior. And as we receive his body and blood with the bread and wine, he keeps on binding you back together, mending you, and making you whole. I want to close with this thought. Go back to those cracked pots, not the, the beautiful heirloom vase, but instead just your garden variety gardening can. The one that you use day after day and week after week and after a while you've dropped it too many times on the ground and finally some of those seams start to break. And so you have to fill it up extra with water every time that you're going to go out to the flowers because you know that by the time you actually get to the bed there's going to be half as much water in there. You have that kind of can? <laughs> Imagine one like that. You fill it all the way up to the top with the water and, and you go out to water your flowers, to water your vegetables and along the way that life-giving powder, power has been splattered all across your yard. The water is going all those other places because of that leaky gardening can. That's us, guys. Cracked pots, earthen vessels, leaky gardening cans. And God uses you to bless others, not in spite of your brokenness, but because of it. He uses those very places and spaces in your life and in your soul in order to spread his life-giving power to others. You with me? And when on this All Saints Day, you think about those who have gone before us in the faith, those who are most instrumental and influential in your lives, whether it be parents or godparents, folks from church, were they perfect saints? They were not. They were imperfect people just like you and me. And yet God used them, not in spite of, but precisely because of their imperfection. As he continued to shower upon you and me his grace and his blessings through their lives. Think about it. Those we have loved and lost and are now with the Lord, they in glory shine. 
even as we feebly struggle for a little while. We feebly struggle. You and I are holy sinners, and we are unsteady saints. We're broken. But Jesus is present in the broken places, and he has made them beautiful. In him, you are blessed. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.